You're listening to Invited In with Christine Boyle, where disability and faith meet. Here's your host, Christine Boyle. You are invited in. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining me today. I am so excited to be here with you. And guess what? This is crazy. I have my husband, Dan, sitting here with me. I can't call him my guest, though, because I actually just recorded with like my real first guest a couple days ago. So Dan is just here and just sitting in with me and we're just going to talk and chat um, and we're going to invite you guys in to the conversation about running with purpose. So hi, Dan. Welcome to Invited In. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. (laughs) So Dan, in all honesty, let me just, um, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. Not that I have a script. I really don't. But I am going to go off script for a second and say my husband is the kind of guy who just dreams big for me. And so this podcast would not be happening if it wasn't for him um, encouraging me, if it wasn't for him signing me up and sending me to the Momentum Conference in Orlando, Florida with Lou Mangiello. So anyways, just uh, Dan has been my biggest cheerleader um, just in life in general, but definitely when it comes to this podcast, I have him to thank for this actually happening and coming to fruition. I actually told him today, I said, man, I have a really expensive hobby. (laughs) So, um, but he's behind me 100%, which has been great. And again, always cheering me on. So I am blessed. But hey, we have an amazing story in our family, Um, and it happens to really revolve around our daughter, Courtney, who, as many of you know, um, but I'm going to just kind of repeat it for someone who might be picking up in episode five uh, for the first time. Uh, Courtney is our daughter who went home to be with Jesus about two years ago. She had disabilities um, and chronic medical needs, and basically... Um, she was amazing and just changed our lives in so many ways. And as I shared in episode two, Dan came into her and my life. I was a single teen mom. Um, we started dating when I was 19 years old and he walked into chaos in my life. And here I am a single young mom with a baby with disabilities in and out of the hospital. So I hope that just kind of conveys to you all this incredible man that I get to call my husband. And um, anyways, uh, just kind of moving forward in life, we have, yeah, an incredible running story that we want to share with you guys. It's a story that is really probably unlike any other story out there. And uh, it's exciting for us to get to share that with you today. And we hope that we can just show Christ through this story, convey how good and faithful he's been on this race that we're running. It's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Any caregiver, any mom, any dad, um, anyone who's living life with a disability, I'm sure can relate to that and say, it's definitely not a sprint that indeed it is a marathon. So so we're going to just share this kind of cool story. Dan, do you want to kind of start talking a little bit or do you want me to set the stage for running with court? You are much better stage setter than me. So <laughs> you get it going and I'm going to fill in some blanks and chime in and okay. let you do your great thing. So real quick. Um, my husband is a sixth grade math teacher. He loves talking to sixth graders. He does not like talking to adults. Um, so him and I are the exact opposite. So yes, if it sounds like I'm talking a lot and he's talking a little, 
please understand that that is actually making him really, really, really happy. This is quite <laughs> and true. that I'm not dominating the conversation. Um, okay, so let me let me set the stage. So Dan started pushing our daughter Courtney in races. 5Ks, 10Ks, um, even did some half marathons, you know, throughout Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland, little races here and there. Um, I think your first race was the zoo, Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. And um, he always says that's the hardest place he ever pushed her was the zoo because of how hilly it was. And um, basically, he just saw that she just lit up and loved running. She would, we called it her happy arm, that if she was excited, she would put her arm straight up in the air and she would just wave it back and forth. Sometimes we'd have a little sparkly pink and purple pom-pom kind of strapped into her hand and she'd wave that pom-pom, but her happy arm would be going. She had a little crooked smile because she had facial paralysis um, on the left side of her face. And so happy arms going, maybe pom-pom up in the air, crooked little smile. And uh, we just saw that she loved running. And Dan truly was never really a runner before. I mean, you did running in high school and stuff, you said. But like as an adult, you weren't into running. It was just kind of like. I had not run since high school, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It had been that long. So I mean, played sports, pickup games and everything. However, running, I hadn't kicked into gear until, you know, Courtney got me going. Yeah. So this was definitely because of court. Um, something you took up as an adult and um, something that just really bonded you guys in a really amazing way. I mean, you guys always have had a close relationship, but this running thing became your thing with her. Yeah, basically, I'd say, you know, when you're in a, a wheelchair and you're getting pushed and you're getting pushed fast, there's definitely like a draw to that. Like Courtney was Courtney getting excited by being pushed fast in her in her wheelchair. But I'm not talking race fast, just around the house or around the neighborhood, just, you know, being silly, playing around. And it was because of seeing her so happy going fast, I thought, wow, maybe we need to start running. And so it was uh, in the fall of 2013 that we had signed up with our nurse at the time. We signed up to do a 5K at the Cleveland Zoo, like Christine mentioned. Shout out to Nurse Leah. That's right. And uh, and she loved it. She did. Like Christine said, she waved her happy arm and pom-pom the whole time. And I thought, wow, we're, we're onto something here. And so, you know, fast forward through the winter of that year, obviously we're in Cleveland, so you're not running outside into the spring and summer of 2014. And we just started racing in any 5K, 10K around Cleveland. Yeah. And it was so cool, just the amount of relationships I feel like you guys made just from being out in the community, being at all sorts of races. I remember the one time you got to the zoo for a race and um, we had so many experiences with like Cleveland mascots like Slider, Moondog. Um, I'm trying to think who else, Sir Cece, you know, different. Yeah, Sully from the Monsters. I mean, you name Sully. it. Sully, yes. Any, and, any local Cleveland mascot. And I, I remember you saying you were getting her out of the Boyle party bus and Slider like ran up to you and started helping getting court out of the boil party bus took her from me took her into the zoo got her through registration and basically took her to the little party area before the race and she led the conga line right with she him right, <laughs> af- right after the run she led the yes, conga line with, yes. with slider yes yes so court ended up kind of like this little local celebrity always showing up at races but it was just such a again such a cool way to just be part of the community get to meet so many people and people just got to know you guys um, and got to, you know, get used to seeing. I don't want to call you Team Boyle because at this point in the story, you're not Team Boyle yet. 
but um, but people got used to seeing this dad and daughter. Yeah, I'd say the running community anywhere. I mean, I know definitely in Cleveland, but it seems just like anywhere is just a really good group of people, a really tight knit group. So whatever we were participating in, she and I were always very much welcomed. Yeah, that was really awesome to see and people always cheering you guys on the compliments you would get because people knew it's hard work running, let alone pushing someone in a wheelchair on top of running. And I'll add that for the first two years, I was pushing her in her regular wheelchair with tiny little wheels, not in any kind of running chair. So it was even more crazy and bizarre and wild and probably not the best idea, but she loved it. Yeah, we were looking at um, videos today because we're um, getting ready to start doing some fundraising with uh, a running mission thing that's coming up for our family. And so we were looking at all these old news um, stories that were done on Court and Dan and the ones really early on. Yeah, she's like literally in her manual wheelchair and he's pushing her like in the Cleveland 10K, Cleveland half. Yes. And um, he's like, this is ridiculous. Why did I do that? And I'm like, well, because you didn't have any other option at the time. But I didn't even know of any other option. You didn't option. know of other options. But we're talking, yeah. you know, six inch wheels, eight inch wheels, whatever they are. <laughs> well, and I even noticed I was like, she doesn't even have anti-tippers on because she loved getting like dipped in her wheelchair when we'd like have dance parties and stuff. So like those tipper anti-tippers that would keep her from tipping back. She didn't even have those on there. So we were just laughing so hard today at like, what did we do? What were we pushing her in? It was pretty funny. But, you know, fast forward a little bit. And, you know, when Court was 15 years old, first of all, I'd say this. Both of our kids, Kevin and Courtney, had their Make-A-Wish trips at Disney World. You're going to hear us talk a lot about Disney World over the course of this podcast, you know, the different episodes we're going to have. It's just that place that has just really meant the world to us for so many reasons. But we really fell in love with it on our uh, very first experience there. I was at a conference. It was in Orlando and they were giving tickets to go to Magic Kingdom for the day. And we were like, okay, we'll go, you know, had no expectations. And I remember Donald came up to court. This was in 2004. So things have definitely changed there. But Donald saw her in her little adapted stroller and grabbed her and brought her to the front of the line to meet characters. And I think it was from that point on that we were sold. We were like, this is amazing. And then we got to see how many rides she could go on and just how special the cast members make it for kids that they identify as being chronically ill, having disabilities. And it was just one of those places, and I'm sure so many of you can relate to this. There's so many places that don't work for you and for your family when you have kids with disabilities, when you have a loved one with a disability, or if you have a disability. And so when you step into a setting that just feels like it was made for you, you were thought of in this process. There's just something really special about that. So so Disney's been amazing. Um, like I said, Court and Kev both had their Make-A-Wish trips there. Court's Make-A-Wish trip was 2005. And um, we didn't get Kevin until 2013. And Kevin went in 2014 on his Make-A-Wish trip. And so we just, um, we fell in love with that because if any of you have had kids that have had Make-A-Wish, you stay at Give Kids the World which is a whole resort uh, village just for wish kids and their families. You can't pay to stay there. It's only for wish families. And they make it amazing enough that if the child is too sick to even leave, give kids the world village and go to um, too sick to go to the parks, 
um, that they make it amazing enough that the kid is still not missing out by bringing characters there, having adapted rides. Um, one of their themes is ice cream for breakfast. They have an ice cream shop that is just open, I think, like 13, 14 hours a day unlimited. It's just the most beautiful place. It looks like a storybook fairy tale. And um, you can Google it. It's Give Kids the World. Just Google it. Look at some pictures of it and see this beautiful place that just serves. I think it's uh, holds 170 families a week. Yep, pretty much 175. So families from around the world basically every week are there. And they're booked all year round. Yep. So that tells you just the need and the blessing that it is to countless, I mean, hundreds of thousands of families. So anyways, we have this love for Disney. And when Court was 15, we basically realized she has run into some unpredictable health challenges that we just were not expecting. And greatly, to our knowledge at the time, greatly diminished her life expectancy. And Dan had kind of dreamed of like, hey, for her 16th birthday, I'd love to run her at Disney and do like the half, the princess half marathon. But then we got this kind of diagnosis that she may not be here for her 16th birthday. And um, and let me just stop for a second. I'm going to kind of, again, go off on a little tangent here. But if you're doing this journey of disability, if you're doing this journey of chronic illness, being a caregiver or living with a disability or chronic disease, um, I'm sure you can relate to that where, you know, all of a sudden life looks different and you're figuring out how do we live life to the fullest in this very moment because we just got news, just got a new diagnosis that's going to just change um, whether it's our life expectancy or um, a function that we have in our body that's going to change, whatever it may be. I think we can all relate to times when that becomes really hard and you start going, okay, these are the things that have to be done now. And for us and for Dan, that was Disney then. That was pushing his princess at Disney a year earlier than he was hoping to. I'll let you pick up then on what kind of transpired after that. Sure. So, you know, knowing that we were going to do this or thought we were going to do this before she was 16. So Courtney was 15 at the time. And um, I went to register for that princess race, and that would have been for the February 2016 race. Uh, so she just turned 15 in December before that. And my plan was to sign her up and register, and we'd go down there, and we'd uh, race in this two-day challenge, 10K on the Saturday and the half marathon on the Sunday at Princess Weekend. And um, I, I don't know what it was in, that went through my mind, but I didn't just register. I didn't just go online and just sign her up and myself up. For some reason, I had this thought of, well, I got to see if we could race there. And I, I can't to this day remember why I thought to check into it because we had never checked into it in any race anywhere around Cleveland or, or, or Ohio. We just signed up and we'd show up and we'd run. Um, but something had told me to do that. And so I just kind of put some feelers out online. And um, I found out not through Disney, but through people online that were commenting back to me that Disney had basically a no mobility aid policy, meaning that you know, someone couldn't run a race using crutches or a walker. And okay, I, I kind of get that a little bit because it could be dangerous or who, whatever the case might be. But I was surprised to find out that they wouldn't allow push chairs, you know, racing chairs, running chairs, someone being pushed in, a, in an event. And I thought, wow, that's really different than anything that we've experienced here in, the, in Ohio. And so I, I looked into it and I contacted Disney and sure enough, the answer was no, sorry, you can't register. 
And uh, that was the first time I contacted them. And I contact, contacted them many times over. And it was just, hey, would you look into it? Would you look into it? Would you consider it? And I got no's for a while. And then I realized, well, let me look into this a little deeper. I did some research and found out that their events were sanctioned through the United States uh, Track and Field Federation. So I thought, well, let me check in to see what their policy is, since basically Disney's saying we follow their rules. And uh, that, you know, that kind of goes along with like, okay, the course is measured out exactly and things like that. And we have, you know, paces that we need people to keep up at. But I thought, well, let me just check into it. And I went on their website and I actually found a page that was, you know, special for if you had any kind of like disability or you needed some kind of accommodation or you had some kind of like special request in a race. And I clicked into that and found that I could have a doctor kind of like write a letter explaining like Courtney's disabilities and why it's important that she has, you know, someone push her, why she's not able to do it on her own. And that if I submitted that, then the United States Track and Field Federation would kind of review it and then make a determination. So I thought, well, maybe they'll kind of do that. And then they'll tell Disney that they have to let this happen. So I submitted all that to U.S. Track and Field Federation. And um, I contacted them many times over. They said, we're looking into it. We're looking into it. We'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. And this was on their end. And then all of a sudden, one night, we're hanging out at Chick-fil-A, getting some dinner. And I think we're pulling into the parking lot. We were lot. pulling in. Yes, yep. we were pulling and in. And the phone rang. And I saw it was a, a 407 area code. And it was Florida. And I thought, who could be calling from Florida? And um, I answered it, and it was one of the race directors, and he said, hey, you know, we got this information from the United States Track and Field Federation. It's something that we've been thinking about for a while. We'd like to, at that point, like make an exception and invite you guys to sign up and participate. And I was floored, and I was overjoyed, and I couldn't believe it that going through the proper channels, obviously then on the back end, U.S. Track and Field Federation was working with Disney, they reviewed everything and they determined that, hey, this is something that we, Disney, should offer and be able to offer. And uh, at the beginning, it was kind of an invite only. That didn't mean we got to run for free by any means, <laughs> but they were letting people contact them and they would make a determination that, yes, we'd allow it. And that was the first year and that was February of 2016. Yeah. And, you know, just a couple of things to interject when Dan said like he was putting feelers out there online on different like was it Facebook groups yeah, or different, different different forums and Facebook groups Yeah, for Disney um, running. I mean, people were brutal to you. Oh, yeah. People said, be grateful for what you have. You can't participate. You can't run the rules of the rules. Get over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what? And and again, this wasn't necessarily, no, it was not a running community. This was just people that had just kind of always posted questions about pretty much anything Disney. So it was not running related. Because yeah, all of our experiences at the Disney races and with the runners have always been amazing. Yes. But yes. it was just really interesting to see how, you know, the average person's perspective on these chats and stuff was this is the way it is. Get over it. She's not going to be able to do it. And, um, you know, there's some really big life lessons in this story, you guys. Um, and I'm going to kind of speak to those, you know, towards the end of this podcast. But I but I just want you to hear that. Like, this is this is how people view this, that the answer is no. And I, and I think we just have to be wired to just challenge what the status quo is sometimes. Because the reality was... We knew 
that what we were asking for, what we were hoping for, what we wanted to accomplish was not anything outlandish. We knew that, you know, L.A. allowed athletes with disabilities to be pushed. We knew Boston did because of like the Hoyt family. We knew Cleveland did that, you know, we had participated in that in Columbus. And, you know, we knew these big cities allowed this. And so it was mind boggling to us, to be honest, that why isn't Disney? And so the interesting thing was what it really ended up coming down to and what they said was safety. And so as silly as it sounds, the three things after, like Dan said, it was kind of a invite only at first or a case by case, you know, approval to be a part of it that first year. But but the safety requirements were literally court had to wear a helmet. So we got her this cute little Disney princess helmet. I'm looking at it right now as we sit in Studio Courtney and uh, Dan and her had to be tethered together and she had to have a light on her running chair. That was the stipulations. Those were the three requirements. I thought, <laughs> so talk about simple, like honestly, but it took a dad saying, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And obviously he was motivated by her life. He was motivated by that diagnosis, motivated by tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And again, I'm going to go back and say, if you're on a journey of disability, if you're on a journey of chronic disease, like you get that, you know that, you've lived that, where you just think differently about life. And honestly, as hard as those diagnoses are, as hard as chronic diseases, as hard as disability can be, the fact that we get to view life through a lens of tomorrow isn't guaranteed, or we have to live life to the fullest, or we have to fight and advocate for change, is truly a gift. I mean, it's a gift, it's an honor, and it and it creates change, and it can create change. And I'd say that anybody should live that way, you know? It's I know true. we think about it more in the disability <laughs> yeah. community, but we all, every single person on this planet should live that way. Well, sure. I mean, you even think of the Bible, and the Bible just clearly says, like, our lives are a vapor. Mm-hmm. Here today, gone tomorrow, right? I mean... God couldn't be more clear that that is true of all of us. We're all dying, right? Where our days are ordained, but we don't we don't know if that's two more days or, you know, another 20 years of life. We have no clue. And so, as you said, it's like we just have to live life to the fullest. And I think that's um, one of the greatest gifts our kids have taught us, <laughs> truly, um, living life to the fullest. So Dan in court, you know, get Disney to change their policy and and get this invitation to go and run. And Channel 3 News in Cleveland does a story about Dan and Court. And somehow it ends up on all Channel 3 News affiliates over in the country. I mean, I remember I was in Boston with Kevin visiting some of his biological family. And I'm watching Dan and Court on Boston news channel and watching their story. It was crazy. And my cousin's son in Florida is at a pool hall shooting pool and looks up at the TV going on in the pool hall and says, hey, that's Dan and Courtney in Cleveland. Yes, yes. It was so wild, but it was so amazing. And then we we realized there's so much hype around this story because it's gone national, you know? And so that is where 
we really started running with purpose. Our, our mindset just shifted from, okay, we've conquered this one challenge. Now, what can we do with this hype? What can we do with this publicity? What can we do with this national you know, recognition, right? And so it came down to, we were gonna fundraise for something and it was really clear to us right away what we or who we were supposed to fundraise for. And um, and so we set a goal that we were going to raise money for a young lady in El Salvador named Drina, who has been near and dear to our hearts since 2005 when I took my first missions trip to El Salvador. I had heard about Rina, was told about her ahead of time and told that she lived in the community behind the children's home that we were going to be serving at and that didn't even have running water. Um, she had disabilities and she was skin and bones and she needed a wheelchair. And so I worked really hard to get a wheelchair. Um, I actually got it from Johnny Erickson Tata's ministry, Wheels for the World. And I brought that wheelchair with me to El Salvador and I fitted Rena in that wheelchair. And Every year as I went back to El Salvador year after year, like I shared in episode two when I talked about our adoption with Kevin, you know, I was visiting Rena every single year. And so she just became part of our family um, in the sense that we learned the things she needed in El Salvador besides just that wheelchair. And it was things like seizure medicine and powdered milk. And so we'd send money to our missionary friends in El Salvador who would buy milk and seizure medicine for Rena. And so she just kind of became this responsibility of ours to some degree that we just felt like we needed to make sure she was okay and her needs were being met. And so we decided that we were gonna run for Rena and raise money for her because in 2013, when I was in El Salvador to bring Kevin home from um, Love and Hope Children's Home, I went to see her and she was laying in um, a dark room in a dirty bed. And she was laying in her own urine and her own feces. And she literally had bugs crawling on her mouth. And I remember just looking at her and my friend Julio is with me. And I remember saying to Julio, like, it's like she's not even a human being because who lives like this? Yet she didn't live alone. She was living she with was, family. She was so with family. She herself. was she was just completely neglected. And it was really that visit with her when I looked at her and said, it's like she's not even a human being, but realizing and knowing, but she is a human being. She is a child of God. And this is not the way anybody deserves to live. And so I left that visit knowing we have to do something more for her. It cannot be that we just keep sending money because, you know, after a couple years with that wheelchair, then the wheelchair was gone. Or we'd bring down some adapted toys of Courtney's and then those were gone, you know, whether they were being sold or who knows what was happening. But either way, the things we were trying to put in place for her to support her and care for her weren't really making the impact we were hoping for. And so seeing the neglect seeing this darkness that she was living in, it just became completely unacceptable. And so we said, we have to get her out of here. Like that was the only option we had. And so um, some of our friends that are missionaries in El Salvador that specifically work with um, at-risk youth in El Salvador, um, their names are Bobby and Brittany Hibbs. 
you know, we we started really working with them a lot because Brittany used to be a nurse before she became a missionary. And so she just, you know, just knows these types, not this, these types of situations. I shouldn't say that because this was so extreme, but she knows healthcare, right? She knows what Rena really needed to be sustained and be cared for well. And so, you know, we started looking into, is there a nursing home we can put her into? And we found out really quickly that really in El Salvador, um, once you're over 18 and Rena was over 18, there really aren't such things as nursing homes. Like the, the person in the family stays with the family and gets cared for by the family. There were a lot of children's homes, you know, for kids with disabilities and chronic needs, but not adult nursing homes. And so then we really had to go, okay, like if we're praying big for Rena, if we're thinking big for Rena, like what does this really look like? And it became very obvious to us that we needed somebody to take her into their home. We needed someone to say she can be a part of their family. And so Brittany and Bobby, believe it or not, you guys, I mean, this is just insane to me. A couple of the kids that they did youth ministry for, um, it was a sibling group. They approached their parents and they told them about Rena and they agreed to go meet Rena that day. And they looked at Rena and they said, can we take her home today? And I remember just hearing about that response from the Medina family and just thinking, and again, for those of you who have listened to episode two, when we really were called to adopt Kevin and how a lot of that was like with, you know, a lot of a lot of pushback on our end, you know, kind of went kicking and screaming at first. So to hear that this family, you know, who is an impoverished family, you know, at baseline, um, that they looked at her and said, can we take her home today? I mean, I heard that and I just was like, these people are my heroes. Like, who does that? Who says that? I know I didn't. And they didn't even have mom's permission at that time yet. <laughs> they so they're didn't. asking and they didn't. You know, Rena still has a mom. Yes, yes. And But it was just this beautiful, sacrificial, we will take her. We will answer the call. We will open our home. And I just encourage you guys, just think about that. I mean, honestly, just really think about that. Like the kind of heart, the kind of love, the kind of relationship with the Lord you have to have to just be able to say yes in the blink of an eye. I mean, it, it, it was super impactful to me and my faith to just hear the kind of people that, that they were and are. So really, Rena ended up moving in with them. <laughs> and um, we worked with a variety of different groups to provide financial support to her, whether it was families like ours who just said, hey, we're going to give on a monthly basis financially to support her. Um, Cuyahoga Valley Church in you know Cleveland, Ohio area financially supports her on a monthly basis. There was a group out of Georgia, is that right? Um, yep. That helped make the Medina's home accessible for Rena, as accessible as possible. And they painted it and just made it beautiful for Rena. And so it was this beautiful picture of the body of Christ rallying for this one life. And I think sometimes we get really caught up as Christians on making these big impacts. 
And this was a big impact. This was a huge impact, but it was one life. It was one life that a lot of people decided is worthy of fighting for, worthy of rallying for, right? And so it was just incredible to um, watch this transition happen where Rena left the neglect, the abuse, the darkness, and was brought into a family that actually like really poured into her, loved her, nurtured her. And so our goal then with that first Disney race with Court was we're going to run for Rena. We're going to use this hype. We're going to use this media attention and we're going to run for Rena and raise money for Rena. And in a matter of what, less than like 48 hours, we raised $12,000. We had said like, let's see if we can raise five grand. We raised $12,000 for Rena. And that $12,000 has been what has supplemented the giving, the monthly giving that has taken place by some of those people and churches that are giving to support her on a monthly basis. But this money has lasted. This was 2016, you guys. And now it's 2024, right? That money, that $12,000 that Courtney raised in a matter of 48 hours has lasted and supplemented what Rena has needed for the last eight years. And right now with the monthly giving she has, she's operating in like a $300 a month deficit. And so um, we'll kind of get to the fact that she is our running endeavor again this year. Eight years later, we're back to where we were eight years ago. We're running for Rena again this year. But I want to kind of circle back to Court and Dan's story of Disney and the fact that they got to run that first race. Maybe tell about the bus ride there. That was really fun. So, um, you know, we didn't really know what to expect that first race. Uh, We knew they were, that Disney does everything big. And so we knew that the races would be done very big. So we're staying at our hotel and you have to get up at basically two in the morning and you got to be on your bus by like three o'clock in the morning because you have to be at the starting line and, you know, you're getting taken to the starting line and the corral's at like 445, five o'clock. So it's intense and it's early. And, and there's like 25,000 runners yeah, at probably these races. Between all the events over the weekend, sure. Mm-hmm. And so we hop on our bus and all of a sudden I have one lady that says, is this the princess from Cleveland? And I was like, or she maybe she said princess from Ohio. And I thought, uh, yes, it is. How do you know, Courtney? And all of a sudden it was, you know, the story had spread. They had heard about it or seen it on the news, whatever the case might have been. They, had, they had been following yeah. your story yep. and her story. And all of a sudden, you know, one person is telling another person on the bus. And there was a group of people together there that they had all heard the story. And so, you know, they were all so encouraging and exciting. I was like, wow, what a great way to start race morning. Yep. And so, you know, Courtney, we've got the wheelchair. We're pretty much going to be the last ones off the bus because that's kind of how it works. They get everyone off and then take the time to undo the chair straps and all that. And as we're getting off, all these ladies that were on the bus and had just started talking to us about Courtney, really like almost the entire bus of people mm-hmm. formed this like, I don't know what you call it, like a canopy with their arms up and... Yeah, like they made like a tunnel yeah, with their yeah, tunnel. with their arms up and little speared fingers going. And we got off the bus that way and they cheered us on as, as we, we ran through the yep, tunnel that the they tunnel made. <laughs> on our way to the, our starting area. Yes, yes. And pretty- and the crazy thing in that story too is that three of those ladies like we're still friends with to this day and um, friends on Facebook with C 
see all the time, the one's our travel agent that we use for all our Disney trips. Um, again, just a beautiful example of the relationships and the things God did with this story um, that just impacted so many people and created so many awesome relationships. And I'm going to back up just a second and say, so we go into this race and we did not use her regular manual wheelchair. I didn't have a plan actually for that event. I thought I was going to be pushing her in a 10K Saturday and a half marathon on Sunday in her regular chair, which looking back on it now would have been absolutely crazy rough. But uh, leading up to that first race, uh, I was contacted by uh, an organization who has a lot of people involved in either pushing or being pushed, thousands of people across the country. It's called Ainsley's Angels of America. Yep, pretty amazing organization. And uh, the guy in charge, the dad of a uh, daughter with special needs, had said, hey, uh, we've got this large racing organization and we run all over the country and we have lots of people pushing and being pushed yet we've never been able to get into the Disney races. And we've had people that have wanted to participate over the years. And um, now they can because of you. And uh, I was taken so aback by that. And he actually said Dan was his hero. Oh, gosh. And so what I thought about was like, wow, I had worked really hard to get Courtney in that race. (laughs) I had no thought in my mind of how it would impact other people or what it would do for other people. So getting that call, I was just beside myself like, oh my gosh, this is like way bigger than Dan and Courtney. Like this has just changed lots of people's lives. And sure enough, to this day, so many people have registered now for races in situations Mm -hmm. like us. Um, Now, when you go on to register for a Disney race, you actually get asked on the registration page if you want to register as a duo. Mm -hmm. Like not only was it just case by case at the beginning, it has now come way past that. And it's just kind of like, hey, this is part of our running community here down at at Run Disney. And uh, so this dad, the president of this organization, uh, gifted us a racing wheelchair. And and it was in the nick of time because we were able to use it for that February race, our first time running down at Disney in 2016. Yep. It was awesome. And, you know, again, just to really stress like, how our actions and our choices and the things we advocate for, you do it a lot of times with the mindset of this is for my kid, this is for my loved one. And then you just see God move. You just see um, the fruit of your labor, right? Just extend far beyond just your family, just your kid, just your loved one, right? And I remember Dan had asked this dad, he had said, do you think you'll push Ainsley? in this race and he said she's too tired and Ainsley ended up passing away and this is a dad who would have loved to have pushed her and so again just think of that impact that like it was too late for them you know um she couldn't do a 19.3 or a half marathon you know at that point and um but this was something that a lot of people were wanting to do and were being told no year after year after year. And um, and like for that family, it, it, it never became a reality for them. But I believe with all my heart, and I know from stories we've been told, like that wasn't the only family that was trying to get in. You know, there were other families and other runners, push duos that wanted to be a part of Disney races. And everyone has a story. Everyone has a reason that this is important to them, you know, and they want to do this. And so um, 
Again, I just share that because you just realize the magnitude of what you're advocating for. And you really don't even know it when you're in the midst of it. But then you just see the way God uses it to bless others too. So so yeah, so Dan and Court had this amazing gifted running chair. And that first race was awesome as they walked out to the start line um, in front of all the other corrals. So in front of 20,000 runners and they just get cheered for like crazy. I mean, people just screaming and cheering. I mean, it I was. Mean, it made us cry. It was. We've never <laughs> seen anything like it. It was one of the most overwhelmingly amazing experiences of our lives, and it was just so special for court. And I got to put their medals on them at the finish line, and it was. Uh, it was just such an accomplishment. It was such an accomplishment, and I will add, praise God that diagnoses um, that we thought at the time that was going to limit her life expectancy ended up being completely reversed. And um, Dan got to push Courtney over 100 miles before she passed away at Disney World. And um, this has become such a beautiful part of our story and such a beautiful part of her journey. And, you know, after we got to see the impact we were able to make with Rena and raising that money, I mean, it really made us stop and go, we need to start a nonprofit. Like we need to be legit <laughs> and start a nonprofit. And so Dan worked really hard and started the Team Boyle Foundation. So we are a 501c3. And our goal is that every year for these races, um, we pick a different special needs cause in the community or abroad. And um, whatever we know, you know, we feel like, and you guys know this, that are on these journeys, I mean, you see things that the rest of the world doesn't see. <laughs> you know, you see different needs that other people don't necessarily see. And so um, we know we have these these little glimpses into this world and into this community that, that need to be shared and um, sometimes need help and need assistance. And so we feel like, you know, every year we're just going to pick a different cause to run for and, and raise money for. And Dan and Court would do the hard work of running those 19.3 miles at Disney. And um, and so it's been this beautiful journey. We've been able to, let's see, so we did the running for Rena at first. And then our second year was Challenger Baseball. Challenger Baseball is Little League's adaptive special needs division. And so Cleveland was hosting the Ohio State Tournament. And um, we needed to raise money for us to be the hosts of that. And so Team Boyle was able to get local sponsors, individual givers from the community. And we were able to give, I think, about $8,000. Like, like $10,000. Oh, $10,000. Yeah. Okay, $10,000. Yeah, um, to Challenger Baseball to be able to host that event and bring all the Challenger Baseball teams to Cleveland for this you know, big state tournament that takes place every summer. And um, and then, you know, the ministry I work for, Young Life, we take kids with disabilities to camp every summer in Virginia. And the first two years of me being on staff, we were able to cover the cost for 10 kids to go to camp totally for free, which was an amazing way to get to bless families and just serve these kids and make sure that there were no financial barriers to them going to camp. And then is that it? That's oh, we've done also we did a special needs moms conference last year that we were able to give money for. And really last year was our first race without Courtney. And so Dan pushed Kev. Kev actually ran and got pushed in the um nineteen point three mile fairy tale challenge, right? And um 
Disney Princess Weekend for Kevin. Yes. And um, we had big Courtney heads on a stick and I got to cheer and I kind of fast walked the 10K in honor of her because I'm totally not a runner. It was just beautiful. And we had a whole group of people come down just to run and participate in her honor get to cheer, um, even if they weren't able to participate in the races, but to get to cheer and just honor her and celebrate her. And so last year, we took a break from the fundraising piece because we just knew we needed just time to grieve and uh, celebrate her and um, not really have to do any fundraising at that point. So so we took a year off from that. And um, now we are back and we are super excited to say that we are running for Rena again. Um, and again, it just comes down to the fact that she's operating on a monthly basis with about a $300 a month deficit. And we know that this family and her need a lot of support. Currently, her day-to-day life is, you know, food, seizure medicine. Um, we have physical therapy come into the home. We provide transportation to and from doctor's appointments. We have home health aides that come in and either assist Mrs. Medina or give Mrs. Medina some respite time, diapers and wipes, and again, medications and food and just what it takes to have the lights work and, you know, all those things that the expenses that come with her living in that home and just covering all of those costs for her. And so it's been this beautiful thing to be able to say like we're going to meet all of her needs and be so committed to her and make sure she always has what she needs to flourish and be well cared for. And so so we're really excited to get to do that and to get to partner with our friends that are missionaries. Again, Brittany and Bobby Hibbs, who are part of May, M-A-E. And um, that's an organization, again, that serves specifically at-risk youth in El Salvador, which I think all the youth in El Salvador is at risk, but <laughs> um, but they do a beautiful job just pouring into the lives of teenagers. Um, and they've taken on this responsibility of managing Rena's care, making sure that her needs are being met, being boots on the ground, and just overseeing all that's being done for Rena. So um, so we're really excited to get to do that this year. And, and we want to invite you guys to partner with us in that. If that's something that you're hearing this story and you want to make a difference in one life and believe in the value of one life and knowing that one life can be changed drastically, we would just encourage you to visit our website at teamboylefoundation.org and you can make a donation there. You could also read more about Rena's story. You could see pictures from when I first met her in 2005 to a somewhat current picture of her with the Medina family and just the way she's been welcomed in and the way she is not just someone using a room at their home, but she's really been brought in and become part of that family. And I always say her life is truly from darkness to life, beauty from ashes, where you look at these you know, pictures from early on in her life and you see this little skeleton, you see this neglect and you know abuse and things like that. And then you see now this young woman who is always smiling and laughing. And you could just see what love does to someone and how it just changes someone's life. So we couldn't have asked for a better outcome for her. Truly, this has been what what God has orchestrated and obviously handpicked this family, the Medina family, to care for her. And so they are faithfully doing that. They're honestly, here's what I would say, you guys. And again, because I know there's many of you who are caregivers listening to this, they're doing the hard work. We're not. 
we're running, we're sitting here saying, hey, make a donation. We might be, you know, going on to teamboilfoundation.org and putting in our credit card information to give 50 bucks or 20 bucks. They are doing the hard work because you guys know what it's like to care give for someone who needs total care. Um, it's a joy, it's an honor, but there's no denying that it's hard. And to do that in a country that has so few resources, um, there's so many things that Rena suffers from on a daily basis that here in the US would be things that would be surgically fixed or would have a totally different type of intervention. And so truly, they are the ones doing the hard work. They are the boots on the ground. They are the hands and feet of Christ to her on a daily basis. And so I look at it like it is so easy for me to send money, <laughs> ask people to give money um, and support them in that way. We would love for you to join us in this mission. And it's also a beautiful way if Court is someone who you knew personally and you know you knew this story and you saw the way that she loved running and she just loved life and loved others. This is such a beautiful way to honor her and to keep um, alive her legacy and just the spirit of who Court was and the spirit of the Team Boyle Foundation. So I would just encourage you to just consider that. Again, visit our um, website, check out pictures. There's some videos on there as well about Team Boyle. Um, we also have a Team Boyle Foundation Facebook page that you are welcome to follow. We'll be posting lots of videos and pictures from the Disney Princess race, which is only, I think, like we week can, a week and a half away. Week and a half away. That's so crazy. But yeah, we'd love for you guys just to follow along this beautiful journey with us. And, you know, in March, I'm going to be sharing about, because we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of Courtney's passing, March 1st, that'll be. And I'm actually going to be sharing about her passing and really sharing just the things God did during that time. And there's a really beautiful running story um, with the nurses at the Cleveland Clinic that cared for her as she died that took place, and Disney was a part of that. And I really can't wait to share with you how she ran the greatest race of her life, and she finished strong, and she ran with the perseverance um, and dedication that Christ calls each one of us to. And she got to do it in such a beautiful way that impacted so many people. And I would say this, and this is what I just want to kind of leave you guys with is that, you know, the world is watching. The world is watching our lives. The world is desperate for hope. The world is desperate to see Jesus. And when they see a dad who is so dedicated and so in love with his little girl that he just pushes her miles and miles and miles just to see her smile, just to see her wave her pom-pom or her happy arm, man, it stands out. <laughs> and um, that alone made such an impact on the running community here in Cleveland. And they are known in Florida, these Disney races, the friends we've made, the stories we could tell you of people who just wanted to get to know them and love them. Yeah. You know, after Courtney passed, um, we had a trip planned to go to Florida and we didn't cancel it. And we took that trip and there just happened to be a race, not a princess race, but another race that Disney does that weekend. And um, when Courtney passed, we raised money for Give Kids the World. And so when we made that gift to them and they know our running story there, they invited me to run on their team uh, at 
what's called the springtime surprise and it just lined up with our trip down there and uh, I wasn't supposed to be at that race and I remember standing in the corrals and this will get me choked up but I remember all of a sudden Courtney getting a shout out from the stage <laughs> to 20,000 people as they honored her passing and that she couldn't be at the princess race the month before <laughs> and I'm standing there in the crowd thinking wait a minute wait they're talking about my daughter up there <laughs> Like, and again, this wasn't because I was there. I didn't even have my name on the bib. I wasn't even like, I just had a number. So my name wasn't registered or anything. And I just was in shock that they gave her a shout out before the the racing duo division and the disability division ran. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's made a huge difference here. She has. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh we have so many beautiful stories like that. And, um, and so, yeah, just... Just to encourage you guys that like we love, I mean, the fact that she is no longer here and we get to just sit back and think about stories like that. Think about the way she changed lives, changed Disney, like Disney, massive Disney, right? Like, I mean, we are so proud of who she was and the race she can ran. Do that. I know. Only Courtney can Only do that. Courtney can. Um, and so it's just like, I don't know. I just want to really encourage you, like, run your race. Run your race. Know that the world is watching and you have something beautiful to give, to show. Live life to the fullest. <laughs> Never take any day for granted. Don't take no for an answer when the status quo is you know, no, we don't do this. Challenge it. Challenge it. Look at our world. Look at the things that have changed because people don't take no for an answer. Um, I mean, I joke and say special needs parents are the worst at taking no for an answer, right? But in all seriousness, like we, there's a lot of things we have to fight for for our kids or for our loved one in the world of disability, and so um, I think this is just a good, healthy reminder that advocacy and that speaking up and, you know, persevering through things that are hard are really a good thing and can make such a tremendous impact in our world and our communities. So, you know, one of the things um, our friend who did Courtney's funeral, um, one of our best friends, um, he was Courtney's godfather, his wife. I met when I was actually pregnant with Court and um, she was Courtney's godmother. And, um, you know, one of the things he shared in her funeral was just be like Court, be like Court. And I know that's a scary thing to say when this is someone who had a lot of challenges, a lot of disabilities. But if you look past that and you saw the beautiful things God was doing and accomplishing in her and through her. I mean, that is, should be the cry of our hearts. Be like court, like follow court the way she followed Christ and she allowed Christ to use her, you know? Courtney once won the NFL's Overcoming Adversity Award through the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton. <laughs> Courtney Boyle, you know, four foot whatever amongst giants that are six foot five, 300 pounds, and she wins an award for overcoming adversity. That's Courtney Boyle for you. In the NFL Hall of Fame. That's crazy. This girl, her life was nuts. I mean, we honestly sit here and just laugh sometimes at like the experiences she had. So 
So God has called us each to run our race with purpose, right? Dan has a beautiful scripture we want to leave you guys with, but we're all called figuratively or literally to run our race with purpose, right? And we're supposed to do that declaring in our lives and our races who Christ is and the beautiful lives that he has called us to live in this world to show his glory, to show his power, to show his grace, to show his love to a watching world. So it comes from 1 Corinthians 9, 25 into 26, and it says, They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Amen. Isn't that awesome, you guys? Be encouraged and know that Jesus has called you to great things. If you know him, if you love him, if you are a follower of him, he has called you to great things and to leave a lasting um, impact imprint on this world. And so hashtag be like court. Follow us on Facebook. In a week and a half, you could be following what we're doing in Florida, the races we're running, getting to honor her, love her. You'll get to see Kevy walk across that finish line, get out of his wheelchair and walk across that finish line. There's so much good that's going to be happening. And again, if you want to partner with us to care for sweet Rena in El Salvador, go to teampoilfoundation.org. And there's also a way you can reach out to me via Facebook, via Instagram. There's a variety of ways. I have a contact page on my website, christineboyle.com. Leave comments, leave reviews, you know, reach out if you just want to chat. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty easy to get in touch with, but we'd love to hear from you. And um, we'd love for you to follow our Team Boyle journey in the days ahead. So thanks for joining us. And so thankful to Dan Boyle. Thanks for having me tonight. For coming into studio court and being a light. It's a great place to be. I'm looking around like, wow, this is a great, great studio you have. It is. I know. It really is amazing. It was court's room for those of you who maybe didn't listen to episode one or two, but I actually sit and record in her room and it's a happy Disney Courtney room. So, and again, I'm looking at her little helmet right now that she wore and her little running shoes are behind me. So it's really precious and all of her medals from all of her crazy races that she did. So, so I get to sit here and be inspired all the time and remember that she is one of my reasons why that I am sitting here doing this podcast and inviting you in. So thanks guys. So good to be with you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Invited In with Christine Boyle. Follow and subscribe, and please leave a review or rating. Visit christineboyle.com to have Christine speak at your next event.